This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we've got a very special guest with us. I'm so excited. Uh, We have Brother Joshua Smith. Um, We've been connected for a while. Uh, I'm very excited about this uh, topic. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, But without uh, further ado, uh, Brother, would you just introduce yourself and tell the audience a bit about you? Yes, um, as you're saying, I'm Brother Joshua Smith, and uh, we live currently in Hope Mills, North Carolina, and uh, we're doing some Bible studies and getting some things going here. So uh, we're very excited about the direction the Lord has uh, for this area and for what we're doing. And um, we're just here to uh, spread the gospel the best way we know how. Amen. Praise God. Um, so the uh, topic's going to be very, uh, very unique, but very needful. Um, so without any more remarks uh brother why don't you go go right ahead with what you have prepared all right great so um tonight i want to talk to you about a subject that i think is very important to the church today because we are we are in an area in a place that we have never really charted before with so much technology and so much uh, advancements we really don't know as a church um as a as an apostolic church as a whole unit um, it's very hard to navigate um, because there is so much, so many things that are flying at us, um, and um, it's hard to navigate what we should put in our churches, what we should use for outreach, how we should uh, move forward. And um, so I put together a little bit of, of some scripture tonight because I want to talk to uh, want to talk to everybody if I could just about um, just about a direction, not particularly in any particular church, but just some things that um, I've been seeing in some of the churches that I've visited and some of the notes that I've take, uh, taken and the way the Lord has really kind of directed me. So it's kind of a kind of an overview tonight um, about um, kind of a guideline that maybe we consult the Lord you know, in some respects and some of the things that we're doing. And, um, you know, what I was thinking about and what I always think about is that we always hear uh, stories about, you know, kind of the older days and the 40s and 50s and uh, 60s where they've seen a lot of more miracles than we're seeing now. And I'm not saying miracles don't happen because, of course, the Lord has blessed and we have seen that. But, um, you know, the way they make it sound is that it's such more abundant back then. And then people ask, well, what's the reason why? And 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 I feel like I've stumbled up on a subject that might can help us. But so tonight. I'd like to talk about this subject, the production of reduction. Um, it's a little bit different, but I think the, the scripture definitely bears it out for us. So, you know, um, I, I like to start in the book of John chapter three. Um, and it's really a familiar scripture to all of us. But this is talking about when um, when John the Baptist was on the scene and he was talking about, you know, he had to decrease while Jesus increased. So, um, you know, verse 27 says, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. And if you look at that verse, it speaks volumes. And I'm getting ready to say something that might shake some people a little bit. And I I think that's a good thing. But um, you ask, what can the church offer? And the answer is this, nothing. The church can offer nothing unless it's been given to the church first. 
So, you know, all the things that we uh, think about our programs and our um, if we have different lighting or or putting together worship bands or all the things that we're trying to do to get people in that we're offering people. If it didn't come from the if it didn't come from the Lord, if it didn't come from heaven, then we're really not offering them anything. We're, We're offering them what the world might have to offer. That's really what we're doing. So, you know, in that simple scripture, a man can receive nothing. So, um, you know, we're talking about how we get more people to receive. That's really what our goal should be. How do we get people to receive the Holy Ghost? How do we get people to um, receive the, um, the miracles and the healings and all the things that God has to offer? Well, the first thing we have to realize is it, it begins with the Lord and what he gives us, not anything that we have. Because, as you know, the Bible says that our righteousness is of filthy rags. So we have nothing to offer. We only have what he gives us to offer. So that's the first step is to realize that I have nothing to offer but a willing vessel, and that's it. Um, And then he goes on and he says, Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. Uh, So not only do we have nothing to give, but we also have to be sent so um, that's a big part of it. There's a lot of people who are, um, you know, who are going around and just, you know, well, there's nothing here. Let's do a church here. Let's let's be a part of this. Let's do a part of that. But if we prayed and we were sent, then, you know, and, and, and this is something this is a subject I just got through talking about on our Bible study and on our on our own own uh, um, Facebook page just a few minutes ago is that um there's a lot of people who, you know, they feel called to preach, but the first thing out of their mouth is don't send me to a foreign country. I don't want to be a missionary. And there's a lot, there's some other people that say, I don't want to be a pastor. I'd rather evangelize. And our willingness to do the things that God asked us to do, you might feel in your heart, in your flesh that you don't want to be a missionary, but what if you're the person that brings in 500, 1,000, 1,500 you know, then was it worth you going? We have to understand that. So I can give nothing unless I'm sent. Um, he that, uh, and then verse 29 says, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. And uh, then he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. So John the Baptist is making it very clear that I have nothing to give. I'm just the willing vessel. In fact, I'm not the bridegroom, but I'm the friend of the bridegroom. We have, um, and and so many times we make um, our worship and our corporate worship kind of feel like um, the head of the church is the bridegroom, when really we should be the friend of the bridegroom. We're bringing people to the wedding and we're helping that along, but we're, you know, so many times we're taking more of a hierarchy position and we should be decreasing so the Lord can increase. And um, the thing is, and so people will say, you know, well, this is when Jesus walked the earth, but Jesus is still alive today. He, he died and rose again, so he's still with us and we still need to decrease so he can increase. And um, so, again, the production of reduction, if we reduce ourselves, we'll see more people come to the Lord because um, they'll feel more comfortable with, with that. Um, so, you know, the production of reduction, you you look at that, then you look at the, um, you look at Acts chapter 10, which is another one of my favorite, um, scriptures, but this is when Cornelius was, 
um, he was asking how to be saved. And, and, you know, he found Peter and he, he went and, and beckoned Peter to come and, and asked him to teach him. And this is a, this is another, you know, and, and of course all these tonight, you know, uh, you know, they're going to be touchy subjects for some people, but I, I just want to get it out there and, you know, say, pray about it, brother, you know, and, and, and these kind of things. But, um, when we look at this Acts chapter 10 verse 43, um, this is when Peter's preaching. He's already preached his message. And, and the last thing Peter tells him says, To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remissions of sins. Then verse 44 says something very important that we miss a lot of times. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. So Peter's preaching, and then the Holy Ghost falls. And you know what Peter does? Peter doesn't say, oh, I got to get back to my message. And how many times have we heard someone do that? And that's not a knock on anybody. It's just that we feel so um, required, mm. required by um, whoever we might be preaching for. If it's our own church, we feel required that we've got to finish that message, that when the Lord starts to move, we don't get ourselves out of the way. We don't decrease. We don't reduce we just continue. Hey, I got to get back to my message. So Peter didn't do that. He said, okay, well, the Holy Ghost is falling. I'm going to stop right here. And then uh, they were astonished that they received the Holy Ghost. You know how the story goes. But it says, you know, uh, then he said, can a man forget, forbid water? So not only did he stop the preaching, his agenda, but he said, the Lord has more for these people than just reception of the Holy Ghost. He said, we're going to bury them in Jesus' name as well. And so Peter stopped what he was doing in his mind and then did what the Lord was calling him to do for those folks. So he reduced what he had planned and went with what the Lord had planned. And in that turn, Cornelius in his house was saved by the power of the Holy Ghost. So um, uh, this is kind of, um, you know, as we, as Christians, we, we remember to, you know, we're having church and we have an agenda and this person needs to sing and that person needs to preach and all these kind of things. We need to always remember that the Lord should have the final say. So if we reduce ourselves um, in, in, um, in our worship and in our lives, um, then we understand that there will be more production that comes out of that because the Lord is able to move. And when the Lord is able to move, I think that's what we all really want is that the Lord be moving in our, in our places of worship and in uh, our everyday lives. And so um, with that, um, I'll talk about another scripture. And, and, and please, brother, uh, let me know when we're, time is running because I, I've got a few here, but I, I don't, probably won't get to all of it. But uh, Take your time, brother. <laughs> Let's do it. But, um, you know, we I turn back to the book of John and in chapter 21, this is, um, this is when Jesus is returning back and meeting the disciples again. And this is where Peter and James and John went back to fishing. And, and, and he says, um, let's see, verse three says, Simon, Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. Um, they say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing, which was to be expected because as we know from the first time, they weren't very good fishermen, <laughs> so they didn't catch anything again. Um, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? 
they answered him, No. And he said unto him, unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. So, um, the point I want to make in this scripture is that, you know, as we was talk, as I was talking about earlier in the program, about how we talk about the older days and how people were healed and. And, you know, we see in the Bible, there's so many healings and we wonder, well, where has all that gone now? And like I said, I'm not saying that doesn't happen because we definitely see it a lot. It's just probably not as much as we would like to see. And um, I think that um, there's simplicity in miracles that we don't understand sometimes. Um, I, I see a lot of times, you know, we pray for something and, and there's nothing wrong with a fervent prayer. And there's there's nothing wrong with taking your time and praying very fervently for something but as you can see in the scripture and many miracles that jesus did um he simply said the word and they did it um in this case he said cast on the other side they simply cast it on the other side and they were blessed and so some uh, i think that sometimes it's not it's not all about you know we pray and ruffle people's heads and we try to get them to you know accept it and and, and i understand all that i understand that you know, it, it takes belief on both sides where two or three are gathered, any two or three touching any one thing. He said he would do it. And I understand when we do that, we're trying to get them to believe it so much. But if we all truly believe that God could do it, then all God has to do is speak that word. And it just happens. So if we understand the faithful part of it, it's very simple that we have faith and then it happens. So, you know, um, we have to be a faith believing church. And, and we have to be uh, in a place where we understand that only God can give these things. And it's, it's, a simple, it's the simplest things. You know, Jesus told one impotent man, rise up and walk. Will you be healed today? Rise up and walk. His faith made him whole. So it really has, um, you know, we've gotten to, I've seen a lot of people, and I don't say we as a whole culture. And when I say we, I say not the whole apostolic church, but, but, I believe that people know what I would be saying if I said that. And I, I see the point where we're at a point where um, we believe, you know, as in the ministry and as the churches and things that if we, you know, if we pray for hours and we ruffle people up or we say the magic words somehow, it's just going to happen. The, really, the magic words is just, will you will you be healed? You know, Jesus asked him, will you be healed? It, and, and you really... Here's the thing. We have to let ourselves off the hook. Can I say that? We have to stop going home as ministers and as church members and saying, that person didn't get healed. Why didn't I have the faith? It wasn't your job to have the faith. It was your job to pray the prayer of faith. It was the person who had the infliction wow. job to have the faith. And if they didn't have the faith, stop beating yourself up because the miracle didn't happen. Even if the Lord told you the miracle could happen tonight, it's not your fault that it didn't. It's it's the person who had the ailment that didn't believe or have faith to the point where it did happen. And that's not a knock on them. It's very hard. And anybody who's been sick, um, I'm fighting laryngitis tonight. I've done a lot of talking. I'm going to do some more talking. But, <laughs> you know, I don't have the faith to heal those vocal cords right now. And I'm the first to admit that. And I don't know that, you know, if I had the faith, would the Lord bless that? That's not up to me. But we got to quit beating ourselves up because, you know, sister so-and-so has been in a wheelchair for 20 years and we can't get her up. 
we've tried, you know, and certain, and I've seen, I've seen people have so much faith in it that they just get them out of the wheelchair. But uh, honestly, let me just say this. If they didn't get out on their own, standing them up doesn't make the difference. Um, they, that's not the way to do that. Just because you held them up doesn't mean anything happened. It just means you were able to hold them up. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm just going to be real on this podcast tonight because I feel like it's a chance to really talk about some things. And, and, you know, the production of reduction, Jesus simply said, rise up and walk. And I think as ministry, if the power of God's in there, just ask somebody, will you be made whole? And if they want to be made whole, they'll get out of that wheelchair. We'll hang it on the wall. It'll be one of the deals, you know, where the, you know, the crutches go away. And I, I mean, um, I was in a church service one night and, um, Oh, it was a powerful service, and church was going on after church. And one of them nights, it's just, it was at a conference um, in Oak Hill, West Virginia. And um, there was a lady there. I won't mention her name, but she had this, um, she had this broken foot. And power of God came over. A few of us standing there, and I just put my hand on her head and prayed for that foot. Man, she shouted all over that building as if that foot was not even broken. It was a complex fracture. It wouldn't hurt normally, you know. And then when everything calmed down, she's back to limping. And I, and I thought about that. I was like, I know the Lord touched you because I seen, I, I saw what I saw. Why didn't this happen? Is this an indictment on me? Did I not have the faith to see this through? And uh, the Lord spoke and said, no, it's just that she wasn't able to see that through. She had the power all over her. But um, when it came down to everything calming down, the belief left. You know, the belief goes away sometimes. So it's not an indictment on people. It's just how the Lord works and how faith works. And, you know, we just need to, uh, if we can just reduce some of the things that we, we try to do, we go, should I say the word overboard sometimes with it? And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that there's bad people that's doing these things. It just means that that's not the Bible way as we're seeing tonight. Um, another good scripture. And, um, like I said, I don't know how much time you just stop me when I need to, but, uh, Another good scripture that I that I really like, uh, I take you to is Esther chapter two, fifteen through seventeen. The Bible said, "Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the kingdom, she required nothing, but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the woman, appointed, and Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. So Esther was taken." unto King Azarius into his house royal in the 10th month, which is the, t- is the month to Beth in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all wo- women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Esther was in competition with all these women, and all these women, they said, hey, I want, I want, this gold on me and I want this dress and I want extra this and extra that I'm going to stand out. But the King wasn't looking for someone to stand out. The King was looking for someone to follow the order of what, uh, Haggai, the Chamberlain said he wanted, because remember if the, if the King's Chamberlain said it, then it must've become from the King. He said, I want them in this and this only. And she said, you know what? I'm gonna go with that because, um, if I go with that, that's exactly what the king wants. She simply reduced herself to whatever the king wanted. That's really where the church needs to be at. Simply reducing ourselves to what the king wants. 
and that's how we'll get chosen and that's how we'll get uh the crown of glory and 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 so that that scripture is directly correlation uh i believe to the church and how you know we don't have to put on this facade um that we put on and all the i've been in churches that are stripped down to you know a country song and a guitar and a and a preacher who just get with it and i've been in churches that have had great big productions and i can tell you where the spirit is more um, because when you have less you lean on god more uh, wow. I, I believe i believe that's true um so when you these country churches you know i've been to country churches in virginia west virginia north carolina all these places and i love going to them because hey i i can definitely shout to a song written in the 1940s it don't matter to me i've i've shouted the night the songs written in 1940 and i've worshiped the songs written in 2022 it, it's not it, it doesn't take all that though it just takes i think it, i believe it just takes a, the willing vessels that are you willing to, if you have a productional uh outlet in your churches and your churches are huge are you willing to deviate from the program when god comes in and says i want this that's really where we're at and the bigger our churches get and the more production we have the harder it is to turn off that computer to turn off the words on the screen um to you know tell the musicians hey please sing something that goes with the spirit you know um so these are just things that i've noticed in passing and I, i've just got one more one more scripture i'll take you to and then uh and then we'll see what what might transpire but um you know um and, and it, like i said this isn't and i just want to be clear this is not an indictment on any organization or church or anything like that it's just something some food for thought for somebody that might be wondering and willing to to make a little change and, and see some more production because that's i think there's production and reject reduction the book of acts chapter 5 um verse 39 to 42 it says this but if it be of god you cannot overthrow it and and that's that's a mouthful there like because you know we see all these productions and all these um buildings and of of you know we see mega churches even the apostolic church now we're seeing um uh, and i saw i saw one thing that i wasn't too fond of and if this is if this is this is about your church. It's not about your church. It's about, it's everybody. But the thing I wasn't fond of was that on the prayer cloth, they had their logo on it. And I was like, yeah, that's great marketing, but I don't think that's what the Lord meant by spreading around handkerchiefs. Um, not sure about that. Maybe I'm wrong, but that didn't feel, that, that didn't feel right to me. Now, if, you, if you're a church that does it, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to berate you or go around the internet saying that's wrong. I'm just saying it just didn't feel right to me. Um, so, you know, we, we do all these things because I feel like we feel we have to offer something, but again, going back to the first scripture, we can't, we don't have anything to offer only what the Lord has and hear this scripture. But if, if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. So if it's, if it's of God, you can't overthrow it. So no matter what kind of production you have, whether it be small, large, a lot of them country churches have made it this far because it was of God and nobody could overthrow it. Even though the big churches came in, even though people talked about them that poorly and um, all these kind of things, you know, so um, they it couldn't be overthrown. But it said, less happily you be found to even fight 
even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So it said that they were in trouble, but they ceased not to preach. But look, look where they taught and where, where they were teaching and preaching. They were teaching and preaching in the temple and in the houses. So when you go to a house meeting, and I don't know how many people have done house meeting. I'm sure the older generation, probably more than us. I've done some house meetings because that's, it just was the situations. But um, house meetings can be amazing. They can be great. But you know what they don't have? They don't have, pro, they don't have the productions. They don't have the full piece band. They don't have the agenda. They have people that come together, sing songs unto the Lord. They pray and they praise. They teach and they preach. The Holy Ghost moves because there's no form or fashion. It's just the power. And that's a good place to be at in a home meeting. If you can get people who are really focused about the Lord, a home meeting is some of the best meetings I've ever been in because we were all able just to get out of the way. No one could see us. It was not a public forum. It was a private forum. We felt more free. We felt like the Lord could come in and just do whatever he wanted. I've seen, you know, tongues and prophecy. I've seen all kinds of things in a home meeting. So, you know, when we reduce our, when we reduce the, all the things that we know to go into a home meeting, are we willing to do that at this point? Because it seems like there's a church on every corner. It seems like everybody has an organization and a building and a place. And what it is, is you see a lot of people, you know, hey, come to my church. Well, are you willing to take church to them? Right? So are you able to reduce um, all the things you know and just take church to them? So, you know, and that's what we're kind of, you know, starting to do here in Hope Mills is, you know, we don't have a building yet. We don't have a, a place to do anything. We're just kind of getting started here. Um, and as the Lord's kind of prepared us to do, but, um, you know, we're, we're probably going to go into some houses. We might join in the park. We don't have where we've been re reduced to that, you know, and, uh, you know, we had a church for a while in Tennessee and we didn't have any big production. I, didn't know how to sing, but I knew how to play the guitar. And my wife knew how to play the drums, and I preached. And I learned how to sing to get by. <laughs> and you know, my wife could sing, but not play the drums at the same time. So, you know, and we we we, we did a great. Th uh, the Lord did a great thing there, not us. We just did whatever we were called to do, and it, it was very um, inspiring and empowering to be able to touch the lives of those people in those towns and those cities and. And the Lord moves us on, but um, we there was production in our reduction. We had, you know, competition. Um, we had a church that th there in that town that was it was called the Avenue because any kind of church you wanted to be, they had an avenue for you. So they even claimed to be a Pentecostal church at at some point, although they also had um, Baptist classes and Methodist classes and so on and so forth. But anyway, those kind of um, that was kind of like a there I wouldn't call it a competition because we weren't really, you know, fighting with them. I knew the pastor and things, but people would go there over our church because they said, "Well, they have Pentecostalism and you know this and that, something else." But 
as a as a reduced state, um, you know, we were able to touch certain lives that I'm sure they could probably never reach. And, um, you know, you're getting down on people's level, and that's really the, the long and short of it. That's really where it started, and that's where we kind of started tonight was John the Baptist getting on people's level saying, hey, I'm preaching this gospel, but I'm one of you. And, and I think that, you know, we've lost a lot of that. So anyway, that's my spiel for tonight. Yeah. Well, uh, I liked I liked how you talked about, and then I, I'm going to kind of repeat it in my own words, but um, you were talking about Peter um, and how he was preaching and the Holy Ghost fell. And you said something along the lines of that Peter reduced his plan so that God's plan could be fulfilled. Yeah. Um, and a note that I took was when we're determined to have it our way, we become an offense to the move of God and virtually become a hindrance and or quench the spirit. Yes. And I, I like that. I think it's important. I think it's important for us to be able, be sensitive enough to the spirit to be able to discern when God wants us to keep going forward or when he wants us to shut up. Yes, absolutely. I've been behind the pulpit preaching, and my flesh wanted to keep going. But I had a pastor who said to me, he said, it's enough. I, 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 I would have kept preaching. Yeah, that's right. But I learned a valuable lesson, and the lesson was... You always need to make room for God to do what he wants to do. And if that's in the song service, and you have a song service that goes for two hours, and people are getting the Holy Ghost, and people are receiving miracles, and there's signs, and there's wonders, great. Let it happen. Don't quench the spirit and have to be uh, conformed to your uh, agenda or your program. Yeah. We, yes. we, we, in Pentecost today, we're so married to our programs, right? That we, I feel like a lot of the time we miss what God wants, yes. wants for us, and it's, and it's, and it's a shame. It's a shame because, you know, we need to continue to allow God's will to be accomplished in us and through us and sometimes that's going to be just like uh, John the Baptist where he said I must decrease that's right so that he can increase another thing you were talking about you're talking about um, expectation well you were you didn't specifically say expectation but you were talking about the prayer of faith and yes. the faith of the person being prayed for and yes. I, I feel like it's important to sort of tag onto that a little bit and say that when we when we pray, first of all, we need to pray believing. We have yeah. to believe that God is and that He is a reward. He is, well, first, God is that He is always is. Right. He never ceases to exist. He's everywhere present. He's the I am, and He's the Alpha, the Omega. He stands outside of time. He is time. He created time. You know. So we 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 he. There's nothing that he can't do. That's right. And we need to walk. And so we'll walk with expectation. We need to believe 
We need to expect something to happen. As the church, we ought to believe and expect that God wants to move in our service today. When we gather together, we need to expect that God wants to have his way. He wants to do something. He wants to show up and he wants to show out. He loves to perform miracles. He loves to save the lost. He loves to restore the broken. He loves to reconcile his creation back to himself. Because if it were not so, we wouldn't read, For God so loved the world, not the world being the globe, but the world being the people that are in it. Yes. He so loved the souls of the people that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, which is the manifestation of the Spirit of God, the physical manifestation. expect that God will do something miraculous. We ought to go into our services, into our meetings, into our home groups, wherever we're going, we need to go with expectation, believing that God is going to show up and he's going to do something incredible. And when we're talking about reduction, we're talking about lessening ourselves, let's look at Paul, the Apostle Paul. Yeah, He's a great yes. example of Absolutely. reducing. He had incredible, vast amounts of knowledge. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This guy is the real deal. He's renowned. He's uh, learned. He is uh, cultural, I guess, if that's the best word to use. He, he's got... He, he's, he's experienced. But what did he say? He said this, he said, I don't come with you with enticing words of man's wisdom, and I'm determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right. It was so important to Paul that, that he literally said, this is all I'm determined to know among you and among the churches of God. Yes. Yes, and also with that scripture, <clears throat> with that scripture, he said, I don't come to you with enticing words, but he's letting you know in that scripture that he could. He has full capability to come to you that way. And it really teaches us that just because we can doesn't mean we should. Wow. You know. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. There were several times in Tennessee where someone would come in and they would receive the Holy Ghost. And they want to know just the whole enchilada, you know, and 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 that time I probably made a few more mistakes and said too much. And when I said too much, I already knew I said too much because they weren't ready. They were on the milk right then. They weren't ready for the meat. And Paul understood that. Let us know. I could tell you all kinds of things, but I shouldn't because you can't handle it. And so it wasn't doing the kingdom of God any any favors by him to, to recite everything he knew, just enough to get people motivated to reach God. And that's really what it is all about. It's about every single one of us putting ourselves, our desires, our passions, our, our agendas, our plans, all that, putting that on a back burner 
and allowing the Holy Spirit to move, to operate, and to function in every single moment of our life. And that's when we'll see, as a, corp as a corporate body, all organizations together, miracles, signs, wonders. But here's the thing, we've, we, and I'm passionate about this. We've got we've to bridge that divide. We can't, I don't care if you're WPF, I don't care if you're AFI, WAP, W, uh, what, what's that other one? Uh, AFW and, and UPCI, it doesn't really matter. That's right. None of that ALJC, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. You are a child of God. That's right. We are a body, and a body that has many members. And some of us are fingers, and guess what? Some of us are thumbs. And some of us are uncomely, and some of us are whatever. That's right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we all have our purpose, and we all belong together. Yes. Together. That's with, right. e with expectation, expecting, believing that God is going to do something incredible. And he'll do it if we could all get on the same page. That's true. And if we don't get on the same page, we're going to get left. We're going to get left out. And it would be a shame. It would be a shame for those doors to close. That's right. The Bible says, let no schism be between you, brethren. Amen. Yet, yet we have, you know, names that cause schisms between us because they represent some sort of belief that, you know, this guy has this, so he's wrong, and this guy has that, he's wrong. But at the very core, what is your belief? It's the same, guys. It's the same. Let's try to find some common ground and hey, do something together. Be willing to reduce. Yes, right. So that way, together, God can be glorified. That's right. That's correct. Well, brother, this has been absolutely tremendous. I just want to thank you again for joining me. I'm so sorry that it, it took so long, but this it's was no absolutely incredible. This was a blessing. Um, and so we so appreciate you. So thank you again for joining us on the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Yes, sir. It was a pleasure. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pentecostal Periodical Magazine, a 501c3 ministry with writers who believe and live apostolic doctrine. A few writers include Kelly Nix, Scott Phillips, Samantha Thrash, Neil Purcell, Larry Chocklin, Jeff Arnold, and more. You can subscribe at www.pentecostalperiodical.com. If you would like to join our writing team or would like to make a donation, email us at info at pentecostalperiodical.com. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.